Hey guys, Dr. Sugarman again. Hey, thanks to everybody for giving me positive feedback about this. I'm hoping that, you know, I just want to help everybody learn about stuff. Um, it sounds like everybody's getting something out of it. So, so thank you guys. I appreciate it. And, um, I'm going to do one today on salmon poisoning. Uh, I'm actually supposed to be going on vacation and I was going to do a different one and I just didn't like the way it came out. So uh, I'm doing this one instead. Also, real quick, if anybody has a name for this podcast, like we should put in some names for this podcast. So I could, it's not just like me introducing myself. You know who I am. So let's like put out some names for this podcast. We should have like a fun name. You guys pick. All right. Anyways, so let's talk about salmon poisoning. So salmon poisoning, like people will often refer to it as just like the fish disease. Uh, this is a really deadly disease. Like if you don't catch it in time, definitely these dogs will die. We see how sick these dogs are when they come in, right? This is a really interesting disease because before when I lived in California, I had no idea what this was. Like the first time I came up here, I was like, what are you guys talking about? A fish disease. So this is really common just in like the Pacific Northwest. It's like really just from like San Francisco area all the way to like the coast of Alaska. So, so San Francisco to like Oregon, Washington, and then, you know, up to Canada and then a little bit of Alaska there. Uh, it's really interesting because it can be found not just in dogs. So like we think about it just in our dogs, but you know, they actually have found it as well in coyotes and foxes. Uh, but not in, and also, and also in some black bears too. That was really interesting when black bears and some sun bears, never in a cat. We've never seen it in a cat. Nobody really knows why. Um, and it can be from like lots of different fish. So we call it salmon poisoning, but it's really lots of different freshwater fish. It can be pretty much anything that's along the coast. So it can be from most commonly going to be from salmon, trout, steelhead, but it can be from tons of other things too. A really crazy one that can it be from is salamanders. So they can have these giant, uh, they're called Pacific giant salamanders that they eat. And they can have salmon fluke and that'll give that to the dog as well. So not even, not even a fish at all, right? But other ones are going to be like lamprey, sculpins, red side shiners, uh, sturgeons, cattle, candlefish, and those giant sucker fish, like if they're like there's some some that live in the streams and rivers, all of those can potentially have uh, these flukes that cause salmon poisoning. So really, just like freshwater fish. Like when I talk to people about like, is there any exposure to any raw fish? I'll specifically ask them like anywhere along a stream, anywhere along a river, like any sort of freshwater fish. Like I won't specifically ask them about salmon because people get confused and say like my dog didn't eat salmon, you know, it actually ate trout. And then they're like, there's no way it could be salmon poisoning because I fed it's trout, not salmon, right? But it's really like any freshwater fish. So what happens? The This is like the craziest disease, Okay. So what has to happen is whatever animal picks up, picks this up first. This is like the very first start of this life cycle. So you can have like a bird that picks up the fish or you could have a dog or a fox or whatever it is. Some mammal or some bird or something picks up this, this fish in the very beginning and it has, it's already been infected with this bacteria and stuff. But the, what we start out with is an egg. So animal poops out an egg and then that gets released kind of out into the environment and then from there that little like um 
It's called a fluke. So that has to go find a a snail. It's usually a freshwater snail. It's called an Oxytrema silica. Um, sorry, and I'll go back real quick. The egg for the fluke. The fluke is called a Nanophytes salmonicola. There's a test on all of this, so at the end, all of you guys have to know all of these Latin names, all right? So this, the fluke, the egg of the fluke, goes out, finds their way to these freshwater snails, okay? The snail then picks it up, goes into the river, and then that snail then goes over and finds, like, a fish. The fish has to have eaten been eaten by the snail, and then... The snail, like, releases all the stuff from its body into the fish that has this other bacteria in it that the fluke had eaten. And then the dog picks up this bacteria from the fluke. Okay, so I know that was really confusing. So, real quick, it goes from, like, this really crazy cycle of, like, a bacteria has to be eaten by a fluke that has to be eaten by a snail that has to be eaten by a fish, that has to be eaten by a dog in order for a dog to get this disease. Like, all of these steps have to happen in order for the dog to get sick. The fish cannot just go eat the bacteria. The bacteria has to be eaten by by this fluke, who has to be eaten by the snail, who has to be eaten by the fish, who has to be eaten by the dog. Like, doesn't it sound like this that book, right? Like, I don't know, the, the thing that ate the fly or something, right? But all of these things have to happen in order for the dog to be able to get sick. Super crazy life cycle. Anyways, so after the dog gets eats the fish, um, usually it kind of depends on like how long afterwards, but uh, usually what happens is that after that fish was eaten, um, the fluke that's it, that, that's inside the fish kind of like opens up into the dog because now the dog's stomach is like digesting everything. And so the fluke is opening up. So all the eggs are opening up and that bacteria that that fluke had eaten is opened up as well. So there's two parts that are actually infecting the dog. The bacteria is affecting the dog and the fluke is back to, is affecting the dog. So the bacteria is called a rickettsial bacteria. It's called a rickettsial just because it's like a type of bacteria that's like a like kind of like a spiral basically. But the rickettsia bacteria and also the fluke. So we actually are always treating two different things when we are treating salmon toxicities. But both of those things affect them. So like I said, the fish opens up it releases both of those things out into the dog. And then those do a lot of damage. So like they go out and they can cause a lot of bleeding. They cause a lot of swelling. Um, it can go to different places all along the bodies. So like it could go to, like it can go, it mostly goes to the GI system. So like it goes to the stomach, it goes to the small intestines, um, it goes to the lymph nodes, it can go to the liver, it can go to the the lungs, it can go to the brain, um, lots of different places because it all spreads through the blood and the blood goes everywhere, right? So it can go to all of these different places and cause issues. So after the dog eats it, it's not like immediately that this happens. It's usually within a couple of days to a week that we'll see this. It really depends on like a lot of different factors. Like 
How full was the dog's stomach when it ate it? How much did the dog eat? How much, how many flukes and how much bacteria was in that salmon in the first place? And also when we talk about like when the dog eats the salmon or eats the freshwater fish, this is any part of that freshwater fish. This is it licked its blood. This is that it ate its scales. Like it could be literally any part of that fish. So it's not just like I ate a whole fish. This could be like teeny pieces of it, the skin, the eyeballs, anything. It could be any part of it. So, you know, again, when when they like say, well, I've been to the river, but we didn't go fishing. Like lots of people just clean their fish and throw the guts or throw the eyeballs and throw the head to the side. And then the dogs go and find it. All right. So like I said, the dog's eating the fish. Now, usually the symptoms that people see is they're starting to see that the dog's just really lethargic. Um, it's not really wanting to eat. Like it's usually the first thing is they just don't feel right. They just don't want to eat. And then it starts progressing, getting worse and worse. Sometimes they're vomiting. Sometimes they're having diarrhea. Like most commonly they'll have diarrhea, but sometimes they're, they're not. And this disease is really interesting because the most classic signs are that the dog has really big lymph nodes and it's having usually yellow diarrhea. But I have definitely seen lots of cases that there have been no enlarged lymph nodes and no diarrhea at all. So usually about 60% of them will have those enlarged lymph nodes. And um, some will have other weird things as well. Like you can actually have um, difficulty breathing because we said it does go to the lungs. You can have twitching and seizures because we said it can go to the brain. You know, most of them will have a fever because we, we talked about how it goes to the tissue and causes inflammation, but not all of them will have a fever. And then um, those lymph nodes too, You usually those are the ones that we're feeling on the outside of the dog's body. But if I do an ultrasound, sometimes I'll just see that the lymph nodes are enlarged inside the dog's abdomen, not the ones outside the body. But usually, um, you know, we will see those clinical signs. And typically, as long as you can get them in within the first like seven to 10 days of, of them ingesting it, we have a pretty good outcome. There have been dogs who have, there's been like this weird case of this dog that had eaten a fish 33 days beforehand and hence survived, but that's a pretty rare thing to have had happen. So how do we diagnose this? So usually what happens is, you know, we get that, that owner that calls in and they're just like, you know, hey, my dog just doesn't feel well, calls April up and says, my dog's really lethargic, um, just not really just not doing well, just not eating, just really lethargic. That's it. Like those are super vague symptoms, right? Not, that doesn't sound like anything at all. That could be literally anything. So they usually bring the dog in, you know, somebody goes out to triage. Um, Let's say that, you know, Nicole goes out there and says, you know, can you tell me if your dog got into anything? And they're like, no, you know, not really. Like, you know, we've, we've been out to the river and the dog was doing fine and we had fun. And then like a couple of days later, the dog was really sick. Well, that should be your first clue right there. They were out at a river. Lots of people don't associate this with it being like, they're always like, well, it's not the time for the salmon spawning during the winter or during whatever time. Well, remember all of that list of animal of fish that I just listed. It's not during just salmon spawning. These are lots of animals, lots of fish that, you know, they, they can get into it. Not just fish, 
There's also the salamander. There's lots of things that they can get into. So it's not just during when the salmon spawn. So we have to keep, kind of keep in mind, like, if they have any mention of going to any fresh water, salmon, lakes, somebody goes fishing, like, that should be a big red flag that this is potentially salmon poisoning. You know, so Nicole's like, okay, you know, cool. Uh, we're just going to bring a dog in the back, maybe get an okay for doing some blood work, and then letting, you know, Dr. Larson know, hey, this dog got into... Um, you know, was that a river? It's really lethargic, not eating for a couple of days. And he's like, all right, cool. Let's get some blood work done on this dog. And then typically what we're going to see on our physical exam, like I said, is going to be, we're going to like feel their lymph nodes. So hopefully if it's a, if it's a classic case, they're going to have their lymph nodes be really enlarged, but some cases don't. Sometimes we're going to have like that yellow diarrhea. Sometimes it can be bloody diarrhea. Um, sometimes it's going to show that the dog is just really dumpy and that's about it or sometimes we're going to have things like seizures this is just a really interesting disease that can cause quite a few different symptoms but our big things now that we're going to look for is on our blood work and our fecals so on the blood work the most classic sign is that they're going to have something called thrombocytopenia which means that they have low platelets so in this, by low platelets, usually that means that they're only like slightly low. They're not like so low that the dog like causes, it causes the dog to like having bleeding problems, but they can be that low. That's the other crazy thing. Like they can be so low that it looks like this dog has an, an autoimmune problem. It can be really, really low. But the other thing we're going to look for too is going to be on a fecal. So on that fecal, we had mentioned that we could have flukes. So usually what we do is you want to get a fecal and look at it under the direct microscope. So meaning we're not going to spin it down. We're just going to put it on a slide and you're going to look at it under a microscope to be able to see the fluke. These things are giant, right? They're not just like little tiny things. They are giant flukes. You'll see them for sure. So, and if you see them, that's like a hundred percent definitive because if you have thrombocytopenia or the low platelets, that could still be a lot of other things. But if you see those flukes, that's like, that's guaranteed that is your problem. So if you see them, we've diagnosed the case, you know, Latoya looks at the, at the slide at the fecal and it's like, Dr. Larson, we got salmon flukes, you know, perfect. That's great. We have a diagnosis already. Fantastic. Now what do we do to treat this dog? So usually what we're doing then is calling the owner, talking to them about salmon poisoning. So we're usually going through and saying, you know, you know, when, when did you go to the lake talk to, or the river or whatever it was, talk to them about like, what is salmon poisoning? You know, salmon poisoning is usually from getting freshwater fish, a raw freshwater fish, you know, it causes these symptoms of vomiting, diarrhea, lethargy. Um, it causes them to have low platelets. It causes the lymph nodes to be really enlarged. And really what we need to do is hospitalize your dog. You know, they get really dehydrated from these things. We need to be able to give them IV antibiotics and be able to um, get them feeling better and hopefully get them to the point of eating before being able to send them home. So hopefully if they've approved that, then we can hospitalize them. So Hannah takes over the hospitalization and is like, all right, let's get this thing hospitalized and gets an IV catheter. We put them on IV fluids. Um, sometimes we have to bolus them IV fluids if they're super dehydrated. But the main things for our treatment are going to be a couple of things. We talked about how there's two things that are causing this dog to be sick. 
One is going to be the rickettsial disease, that bacterial problem. And the other one is going to be the fluke. So to get rid of the fluke, you're going to give a dewormer. So you're going to give usually a praziquantel injection. There are other types of dewormers, like there are, um, the doctor, I'm going to hopefully have Dr. Z on at some point to do our, uh, to do like a parasite talk, because she's way better at all of these like anti-parasitic things than I am. But there are other things as well. I just tend to use a praziquantel injection or Droncet is the other name for it, because that's a dewormer that's going to kill that, uh, that fluke. And the second thing we need to do is now kill that bacteria, that rickettsial bacteria I was talking about. So the best way to do that is with the tetracyclines. So those are the oxytetracyclines. That's an injection. So that's the one that you'll see Hannah hanging to give the oxytetracycline or pull up to give the oxytetracycline. And then the second one is going to be doxycycline. So like I said, the cyclines. And, you know, ideally we want to give the um, doxycycline. The reason why is because it has less side effects than the oxytetracycline. Um, some tetracyclines are not very good on the kidneys and it can be really harsh for them. So ideally we want to try to give the doxycycline if possible, but these dogs aren't eating and they don't want to take anything by mouth. They feel terrible, you know, so I don't want to have Hannah shoved this pill down the dog's throat if it feels terrible, it's just going to vomit it back up and it's going to take a long time for it to get anyways. So instead, what we're going to do is we're just going to give, you know, the injection at first until we can get this dog eating and then be able to switch it over to oral medications after that. All right. So those are kind of our big things for that. You know, our big things is we need to rehydrate the dog. We need to put it on an antibiotic and we need to give it a um, dewormer. All right. And usually within about 24 to 48 hours of starting therapy, like we're seeing a lot of these things resolve. We're seeing a lot of the, the GI things resolve, like our vomiting and diarrhea, the fever starts to resolve, the thrombocytopenia or those low platelets resolve. Um, you know, and usually within about like 48 to 72 hours, these dogs are eating and ready to go home. So if we can implement these things early, these are a great outcome for them. The hardest ones are when we don't know that this is a possibility and we can't find all of these things beforehand, then that becomes like harder because it takes longer for us to get to, to what's causing the problem. You will also see um, Dr. K will give a DEXSP injection. And so Sierra will come up to me and be like, hey, uh, Dr. K gave this uh, DEXSP injection. Am I supposed to give this DEXSP injection? So there are reasons for it. So there are the reasons for why people say to do that is because we just talked about how there's inflammation of the GI system from, you know, these rickettsial diseases and the flukes. So the idea behind that is that we want to decrease the inflammation because steroids do lots of different things. Um, we need steroids for our body for everything. One of those things is to decrease inflammation. One of those things is to stop the immune system. From like attacking itself and stuff. But for this job, we're trying to just decrease inflammation. The second thing is that it gets them eating faster because that's a side effect of steroids is to get them to eat faster or be hungrier. So it's not necessarily wrong, but you will see that some of us do not use steroids or not very often. So, you know, that's the thing with veterinary medicine and medicine in general 
there's always going to be people who practice it differently and it's not wrong to do it one way versus the other. Okay. All right. Um, I think that's kind of all the big things for that. You know, kind of the only other thing that you can do for it is just prevention, just making sure that the dog doesn't get into it again. You know, try to keep them away from um, those rivers or at least trying to keep them away from eating the stuff around the river. And if they do, like I've definitely had people who have come in and was like, I saw my dog eat a fish and we've had them vomit before. And that's fine as well, or to just give them doxycycline after they've started showing symptoms if they don't do too badly. If they're like a dog that it's not showing too many symptoms, that they're still like kind of eating, you know, we'll sometimes just give them doxycycline. I've had that happen before as well. Um, otherwise, you know, they're, they usually do really well. There's usually not a lot of long-term problems with these guys. The other thing to do is I have seen um, some weird weird cases of uh just like smoked fish as well causing a problem because it doesn't actually kill the rickettsial disease so it does it technically could kill the the um the fluke but not technically the rickettsia so i've had like somebody before give somebody give like they got they like fished for the salmon and then smoked it but still cause a problem. So that can be like another weird thing that you can find. Um, and then, you know, some people will say, well, I do want to feed my dog raw fish and they can, and you can do that safely. But the only thing is you have to, you can, you have to deep freeze it for like two weeks in order to make sure that that parasite is killed in order to be able to safely give it to your dog. All right. So like I said, I think that's all I have for you guys for that one. Um, I said, uh, I will try to get that other one out later after I kind of redo it. I just feel like, uh, I just want to do it better for you guys for this next time. Like I said, I hope you guys are enjoying this. If you have any other suggestions for me, if I'm open to it, you can leave, you know, feedback on, on storyboard. Um, you can leave ideas on storyboard. You can email me, you can text me, whatever. Uh, if you have any, like, if you want ideas for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you want to tell me what you want to name the podcast, all of those things. Like I said, I'm going to be on vacation this week, um, but I'm going to try to get another one out next week after I get back. And then I'm also going to try to have some hosts on or some co-hosts on after uh, my kids go to school in September. All right. Thanks, guys.